Welcome in episode 237 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. We hope you all are safe and being smart, practicing proper social distancing. This episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. Um, Dream is going to be doing a bunch of Instagram Live um, events with some of their top artists. So if you're listening to this episode before this Saturday, which would be April 4th, at 7 p.m., Scotty Pellegram will be on the Dream Symbols Instagram page doing some live Q&A. Check out their page. They're going to be announcing further events with other artists um, upcoming weeks. Help us get through this craziness with a little bit of actual live social interaction. Um, anyway, let's get this show rolling. better take two way better <laughs> what up buttercup how you doing what is this week three of not leaving the house what's going on uh i don't know is it <laughs> i think it is this is the third week um i finally decided to put the microphone up closer to my mouth so hopefully it's not as ambient hopefully it's not distorted i don't know who knows what's happening we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> we'll see we'll see in the end uh this is your first time technically tinkering i have tink i tinkered for the first 140 episodes yeah every single episode i was like this can be better i know this can be better <laughs> which in turn makes it worse because there's no consistency but that is that's the way my brain works there i cannot do anything exactly the same twice in a row it has to be better every time yeah well uh, at least um I know the microphone's facing the right way, so I don't have that problem to deal with. And okay, all right, tough guy. <laughs> I did that like once. You know that's, how that's... hard it is to mix something when it's like phased, <laughs> reversed, hundred percent. I'm sorry, that's that's Zoom's fault. They shouldn't make that little fluffy thing cover the screen. I couldn't. You can't see what's frontwards and backwards. Oh, Anyways, whatever. How you? Doing? I've got my thing. I'm doing good, man. I mean, that's why I don't know week three, week two. I'm, but how was Folsom? Is it basically shut down? Yes. So uh, it's the same as the rest of the world or as most of the world. Uh, so grocery stores are open. But that's what's kind of funny is that's the only thing I do anyways. So mm. there's really nothing happening where I'm like, oh, man, my Cinnabon place is closed. Like I don't really – I just – I go to Sprouts or wherever. That's like our the closest one to me. I go there every day. I get my food, and that's it. So the only thing that's changed is the little X's and dots on the floor, so you stay in the uh, line yeah. far away from people. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know, mainly because, obviously, I'm not traveling, so I don't know how common this is, but all of our grocery stores, I don't know if this has happened to you, have closed. The exit and the entrance are now separate. You can't walk into any door at our grocery store. You have to walk in a very specific Door, and mm -hmm. then on the other side of the grocery store, you have to exit that one. So no one ever comes face to face walking back and forth. That's been standard here forever. They're, oh, that's yeah, they're like on opposite sides cool. of the building almost. But you can't walk into one of them if it's the exit. No, the exit. It's funny. The entrance is like come one, come all. It opens like sliding doors. The exit is a is a is a door that actually opens out like one by one. You can only really? go out one by one. Yeah. Wow. So so you guys have been against. Being friendly since the beginning. <laughs> I think it's That's, more to keep people from thieving. 
<laughs> well, for us, it's brand new because I went face first right into a sliding door <laughs> that did not slide open. <laughs> There's, oh, you're trying my, to sneak out the entrance, huh? No, no, my my uh, my forehead print. Yeah, I was trying to get in the exit. I just walked straight into it, and it didn't open. And then I was like, <laughs> read the sign. I was like, this is now the exit. I was like, what? Oh, that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Okay. All right. East uh, Coast but yeah, other is now fun. sinking in California. I dig it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I, I mean, we where we are, you've been here before, right on the river, there's so much singular outdoor activity. It's awesome like mm-hmm. everyone is out on a bike but not in groups everyone is walking but it's just them and their dogs so that part of it's really cool uh and if you can keep yourself away from the news yeah hey well and all also good. have a job <laughs> i mean that's the biggest yeah. stress i mean there is a bit of i mean there's it's just everyday stressful here like or is, it, is this thing going to last is is you know, family are they going to stay employed it's crazy yeah I mean, I, I think that that's the the feeling that I get when I'm out and about, especially if I'm at a grocery store. Is, there's just a, a panic of uncertainty. Yeah, for real. If you, I always tell everybody when it comes to anything I'm doing, if you can just show me the chessboard, I'll be fine. Yeah. I just struggle when I can't see the board. If I can see the board, I don't care how stacked it is against me. I will make it work somehow. Just show me what's going on. Uh, with your company, show me what's going on with your plans for the future. Whatever's whatever our rules are, I'll figure it out. When somebody says, "Yeah, I don't know if it's chess or checkers," I'm like, "Well, then, how am I supposed to stri- be strategic with this? I don't know what to make the moves. Should I be stocking up on things that that I'm making fun of people for doing? Am I going to be the one six weeks from now going like, yeah, uh, I guess I should have stocked up on some of that.' <laughs> yeah, so we that's had of, the weirdness. We, we had some kind of false." Um you know, we went to the grocery store luckily last week when all the toilet paper had arrived. We're like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. There's like walls of toilet paper here. Right. And they're limiting to one one package per. Cool. And then we go back last week and like, oh, all the paper products are gone. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. nothing in this joint. <laughs> yeah, it's – and it, I'm trying – Amber and I, I'm sure just like you and your wife, we're trying so hard to not be part of the panic problem. Yeah, and but at the same time, it's like okay, but are we going so far that we're not even being responsible for ourselves? So let's find that balance. Uh, I can tell you guys this: if you really need toilet paper, Whole Foods has awesome, awesome organic toilet paper for four dollars a roll. It is <laughs> no stacked to the that. roof. <laughs> it's exactly it is stacked to the roof. So in California, no one's buying expensive toilet paper or anything healthy. So just go straight to the organic section. You can have all you want. All right. Oh, let's man. talk about a positive aspect of this. So I'm I'm not only am I stuck at home, which I think most people already realize as an online educator, this is kind of the norm for me. But what has changed is I have a lot of free time that I used to not have because even when I was at home before – I was prepping for things like, oh, I've got this clinic tour yeah, coming up with Jason. Got to prep yeah, for that. Yeah. I got drum festivals coming up. Got to prep for that. Uh, camps are on their way. Got to write curriculum. Well, now all that stuff has been moved back or canceled for the year. So I have a lot more free time. So I've been putting in a lot more effort into the live streaming side of Mike'sLessons.com. This is going to tie into our gear review later. We're going to talk about some streaming options. Obviously, I've been doing this for 11 years now. So I'm very comfortable streaming multiple cameras, all that stuff. So 
What I didn't want to do was add more live lessons to Mike'sLessons.com because I don't think adding more content, no one, no one is searching for content to practice right now. No. Meaning that they can't find it. Like, yeah, no. it's, we are, it's, it's a buffet table of just, yeah. Freaking donuts, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say the essay sword? No, I was going to say choose your celebrity drummer and you can find something. Oh, now. yeah. So it, there's so much stuff to practice. So I didn't want to add to that and be like, oh, now we're doing seven live lessons a week. Like you don't need more, more information. So we started off by adding these virtual practice sessions so people could actually get used to practicing with a timer and understand the four-stage practice method, but doing it with me. Now, the goal, obviously was for them to do it along with me, not to watch me do it. They're supposed to turn their volume down. Then one of our students, Gail, she was like, hey, for our stage two creative next week, would you mind just trading fills with us? And that triggered the idea of like, oh my gosh, we should just do that for an entire session. So that launched virtual shed sessions. So we're not shedding like trying to blaze each other. So what's happening in these virtual shed sessions is we started them two days ago, and they've been a massive success. And it's and what what I consider a success is not numbers of how many people viewed it or how many people participated. It's what did those people get out of it? Mm-hmm. What are the letters I'm receiving? And that's what I mean by it's been a massive success. So what happens is we trade fills, and because I can't see you, because I'm just putting the stream out, there is no latency. Oh, as long as you're watching you. me. Uh... I'm in time. Yeah. Like, right. So you don't have to think about anything. All you need is a decent set of headphones so you can hear me loud enough. So the way it works is the metronome clicks in for four counts. And then we come in and play a bar of groove together. Then I play a fill while you keep playing your groove. Then we play a bar of groove together. Then you play your fill. Now, what I'm doing to make sure that the more beginning students know when it's their time. One, Amber comes in with a sample that goes your turn. <laughs> nice. Um, and so that's how you know it's your turn to do a fill. And I move my groove from the hi-hat to the rack tom rim. So if you see me playing the groove on the rim, you know that's the time you should have been doing your fill. Okay, got so it. So there's a visual cue, an audio cue. But the main thing that's making these fun is that all of this is done with restrictions. It's not, okay, I'll do something cool, you do something cool. So we did 70 BPM, only 16th notes, no rests, no diddles. No extra subdivisions. People realized, oh my gosh, I don't have any vocabulary because we go for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So after your three fills that you know by heart, <laughs> you're out of material unless you've been practicing this stuff. Then what we do is we do it again with a drumless track and it happens on the fourth bar. Your fill happens every fourth bar. Mine happens every second bar. But now you're doing it with music and hearing like, did you land on the one? Did you come in with the song? And then we do another restriction like okay now it's five minutes at 80 bpm of 16th note triplets how's your vocabulary in that you find Mm -hmm. out oh i might not have a lot so it's all done live amber's here switching cameras uh and it has been a blast yesterday we did it uh on mikeslessons.com and on youtube we're not going to do that very often i just wanted the youtubers to see you might not know what we actually do at mikeslessons.com you've been following me you know for 12 years on here but do you know what i do for a living and (laughs) It was crazy. Uh, thousands of people participating. and Did anyone uh, restream their own side so you could see them playing with you? I've ha- yeah. So uh, actually Wayne Davis over at Sweetwater, he sent me his video uh, okay, of, cool. of him doing it. And he had he works at Sweetwater. He's got lots of good gear so you can actually hear me and hear him mm-hmm. and everything. He had the streams all separated. But it, it, it's amazing. And so many people wrote me and said, I've never had the chance to play with another drummer. I've had the opportunity, but I've never taken the chance 
because I'm too scared to jam with somebody else. Thanks for allowing me to at least get used to this, get my feet wet a little in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. When I failed, I didn't freak out. I wasn't embarrassed, you know, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a it's so much fun. So I hope you guys will get a chance to try it out for yourself. Uh, all right. So that's we we will talk about how I'm doing that later because we have some products to review from Roland that allow you to stream multiple cameras. And that's uh, I've been yep. doing that for a while. So, uh, what's going on with you, man? Are yeah. you holding up? Yeah, I mean it, it's funny because I'm working from home and I'm right and I'm ten feet from my studio, so you think, cool, I can just go play the drums whenever I want. But we're still, it's almost like triage, just trying to keep the business side of everything going. Everyone's working remote. We've got new technology to get up with, and I've got student college students that now I've got to teach online lessons to. So. Everything has been kind of chaos. I think it's finally going to settle down. Um, everyone wants to do uh, session work now. Like every band I've ever, or an artist I've ever played with, is like, "Hey, you got time to do some tracks?" And I'm like, "Yes, that's but cool." Not really. Like this has actually made it worse for me to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, hopefully it all settles down. But I do. I've got like about twenty things I have to record in the next whenever. Um, so that's exciting. I, I finished that's up a, awesome. another solo drum thing that I'm, I'm going to release. So the inspiration to keep going, thankfully, is still there. There's definitely been days this week where I felt like, why am I bothering doing all this stuff? There's no mm. gigs. There's no work. I mean, what what's the point? Mm. Why do I care if I can play in time anymore? I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you went full negative, Dawson? It just kind Find of, yourself. you know, when, you, when yeah. all of the work is gone. And you're like, why am I doing this? Like, should I well, focus on something else for the time being? Let me let me ask you this. I I have two options in my head of what's going to happen when things go back to what we consider to be normal. Uh, so I'm only going to bring up the positive one. I'm hoping, and I'm wondering if you feel the same. I'm hoping that by the entire world losing art. And live music and group gatherings. I'm hoping that when restaurants open back for business, when cafes open back for business, they will want to include live music. I'm hoping there will be more gigs than there have ever been. Do you see that being the case? Or do you think, well, I'm not even going to go negative. Do you think that will happen? <laughs> I have to go negative because I'm, I'm afraid oh. that those places aren't going to exist. That really is the biggest fear. Like, sure, it'd be awesome. But if there's no clubs, then there's no gigs. It's... Man. It's strange. It's going to be strange. I, and how many people are going to feel comfortable going hanging out in a room full of strangers? Okay, so that's fans? that's where I didn't want to go. But <laughs> I'm I'm scared that we're creating a new social distance norm, and that will become the norm, and yeah. people won't feel comfortable. I mean, even right now, right now, Mike'sLessons dot com the the building is a sanctuary because my wife and I are the only two employees. So mm-hmm. no one has been in here for the last three weeks except for my wife and I. And every once in a while, I accidentally leave that front door unlocked. And somebody that hasn't seen the news just walks in. And they're like, dude, how long have you been here? You give drum lessons? And I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like spraying them down I'm like with Lysol. Get the hell out of here, man. This is my safe zone. This is where if it all goes bad... This is where I bring my family and friends. Board up the uh, doors. So, <laughs> yes, totally. So anyway, so well, I'm I'm hoping that there will be a need. I, I am scared. I was walking uh, the town. I mean, we need to move on to some drum stuff. But I was walking the town with my mom the other day. We were just doing like a little walk with our dogs, and I was 
surprised that I, I didn't notice it before, but how many businesses opened in the last two months. And this was going to be like, well, we're getting ready for summer. This is going to be our grand opening. And I'm like, man, that that guy must have put everything he's ever had in his entire life into opening that cafe. I mean, yeah. it, it was decorated to the nine, man. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh. and never got to get to grand opening. It was going to open like this week, you know. Yeah. And so I'm just like, now I don't know any of these people personally because they're brand new to our town. But I'm just hoping like, please just hang on. Just hang on. Um, I think it's gonna. I, I'm I'm gonna go against the grain with you. I think it's gonna be great. I think people will want music back in their lives, and they will want group gatherings. I, I don't see everybody like hugging, but yeah, maybe I mean, the bar the, stools are a little separated the more first, than they used to the be. First rock concert you go to, and everyone's like, "Don't even touch me, dude!" Like that's just gonna be weird. Oh. You know the movie, yeah. Night of the Comet, the '80s movie. What is it? Night of the Comet. No. Okay, that should be everyone's. Deep dive Homework? on some 80s freaking got time. apocalyptic, amazing beat. Night of the Comet. Okay. Yeah, so a comet comes in and wipes out everyone, except for a okay. few people who were in some sort of special, like if I guess if you're in like a recording studio, something that protected you from the comet. Okay. So then there's the the euphoria of, holy crap, I have free reign of the whole world to go shopping and stealing cars yeah. and whatever, and then the zombies come. <laughs> Got it. I feel Got like it. we're in the everyone's driving a Ferrari mode. <laughs> Man, I'm not. Le- no, I'm not letting you bring this down. I'm not it's letting you bring this down. It. It's a good ironic twist of everything that's the chaos that is the universe. Okay, so let's just real quick. We have to talk about a bit of chaos. We can discuss it later, but because we're now doing six days a week of live streaming on mikeslessons.com with these virtual practice sessions, virtual shed sessions, live lessons, and I'm doing all the courses. I don't know, besides maybe in 2007, 2008, when I actually decided to sell the drum lab and start this company, I don't know if I've ever put this much effort into my company, ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I have, but my, my effort is so split between camps and live lessons. And then, you know, I even consider this podcast. I mean, this is a chance for me to talk about what I do. This is part of my job. Yep. I've never had this much singular focus. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And I'm actually kind of scared because somebody <laughs> said, my mom actually said, uh, is the UK drum show still happening in September? And I said, as far as I know, yeah, that definitely hasn't been shut down at all. And then I had this feeling like I don't. I don't know if I want to go. I mean, I'm mm. going. I'm going. I definitely want to go, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to in 2021 pick things back up like normal and do clinic tours and do drum festivals and do things outside of this place. I'm having the time of my life devoting everything I have to these students, and I and when it was like, well, yeah, but when it goes back to normal, then what? Just one live lesson a week, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm. This is a chance for all of us, you, me, yeah. everyone that's listening, to decide, okay, the life you had before this started, do you want to go back to it? Do you want to snap your fingers and go back to it? Or are you going to rearrange your priorities based around your happiness and what you want? And I'm actually a little bit scared that what I want is full-time this. Well, I mean, you set I, yourself up I for it. I mean, I feel like everything else you do is promo for your online teaching. And I think, right. I think, I think if there's someone who should say, I'm going to use this as a chance to pivot back to the original idea. Cool. What I, what I personally don't want to see is everyone trying to get into this sector and become an online educator. Cause then it just, I, I, I can yeah. see it being very tempting, but it's like, that's, well, I got to say as somebody, do it. as somebody that would consider that to be 
new competition in this market, I'm not worried because they've had the technology to do it for the last 10 years and they chose not to. Exactly. So it's not like they were like, wait, what? <laughs> There's cameras? Like they've been allowed to do this this whole time. They just chose not to. So if they have a choice, I assume they'll go back to what they're doing. But I also think on a good level, some people will find out how much they love teaching because they never thought they could teach. Then they got forced into teaching and they're like, oh my gosh. I'm having the time of my life doing this. So I think in the end, it'll be good. We'll have a lot of new teachers for sure. But yeah, I'm kind of thinking like, I don't know. I mean, I do love getting out there and doing clinics. There is a part of my personality that loves being on stage so much in the, not in like the playing shows thing, but the way that a clinic is, Mm -hmm. I get to perform. I get to be a stand up comedian. I get to be an inspirational speaker. But what people don't understand is it's not when you see me in Manchester, you know, I left three days earlier to get there, right? I know. And then they, and then Minel tacked on seven clinics after that, right? <laughs> yeah. And then it takes me three days to get back home, like, and get adjusted. So I lose like two weeks every time I do that. And the Mike's Lessons family has to be put on pause as far as my attention span because I'm busy. So I haven't, I haven't made any decisions, but I'm, I am telling you that for the first time in a very long time, I'm reorganizing my priorities based off of. What's making me the happiest? You I know? dig that. I mean, well, obviously, we'll talk about the gear for that type of a setup later in the episode. But I, I'm urging everyone to think more like creatively. Like you've got your thing, and that's your your spot. I want to see more art using this technology. It's like, give me some art that don't teach me what you're doing. Just give me the art. <laughs> you know, I totally. want more of that because I feel like I don't know why online became like it has to be an educational thing. I don't know what started that. I don't see a lot of performance art yet, and I, that's why what are I you want. staring at me, dog? <laughs> I didn't start it. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it from other. I don't I'm know why. Kidding. Why is it? Is is it because of schools have been doing it for a while? I don't know why. Yeah. the first thing people think is I'm going to teach some lessons. Well, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should become an artist I agree. first. I totally agree, and I and I also think that uh, this is the first time in the as long as I can remember that I I actually don't enjoy Instagram anymore. It's just too much of it. It's like mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Like I stop because everyone is is fighting for my attention, not me personally, but for the viewer's attention of like, no, 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 check out what I'm doing over here and then come here and spend money over here. And it's like, I'm, I'm done with it, man. Just like I would love right now. Let's take uh, Stanton Moore. I would just love to see like a snare angle and just the fattest New Orleans groove the dude has got to just be like. And then that's it. There's no talking. There's no nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, like or or whoever, you know, um, anyone you can think of. Uh, I would just love to see like, oh, man, that was really cool. I've never seen that angle before or uh, and I agree. I think there can be art. I mean, if anyone can do it and change the game, maybe it's Eric and Proda. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, true. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> talk about a walking, <laughs> that guy's just walking art. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of some cool stuff, you know, and I think people have to take advantage of, okay, well, you know what everyone is doing, stop doing that. Whatever everyone is doing, stop doing it. Do something new. And that, to me, is the art. The art is we have access to cameras, we have access to microphones, and we all can play our instrument. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, and you've got a built-in crowd. You've got billions of people using Instagram yes. every day. So yeah, try something. Take some chances, I to- please. I- I'm talking to myself as much as everybody listening. But no, I think we both are. And yeah. and I, it's funny, Like as I was mentioning like what I want other drummers to do, I'm like, and I think I'll be parking that camera by my <laughs> snare drum today and playing my favorite groove. 
But uh, so yeah, so I think everybody, and I, I think it's an awesome time for people to find out who are you, or is what you're doing making you happy? Then stick with it, or or pivot a little bit. All right, let's talk about our influences because we're in a time where we're probably playing a little bit more than normal, or we're giving we're we've been given some free time to think about things like who do you want to be as a player. And I know for me, that's something that plagued me for so long. And it was this thing where I was this collection of skills. I felt like I was the walking version of our boy uh, who wrote the pink book, John Rothman. Joel. <laughs> Joel. Damn it. I never get that right. It's always John Riley and Joel Rothman put together to make John Rothman. <laughs> so I felt like I was the walking version of that big pink book. Basic drumming by Mike Johnston. Like, uh-huh. I am a collection of pages of skills, but who am I as a player? No idea. And that was such a problem for me. And I would say it hadn't been solved until maybe the last two years where I finally found what I like, what I want to sound like. And I was able to stop being a a mirror image of my influences at that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was able to have them sprinkled in to a point that most people wouldn't know that what just happened was influenced by someone else. And that's that's what I want. I want it all to kind of fade away, and now it's just this stew of a collection of everything I've listened to my entire life instead of this clearly obvious, that's a Weckl lick. Like, I, don't, <laughs> right. I'm, I do not want that. <laughs> I, want, I want somebody to be like, man, I love that thing you did. I'm like, oh, cool. That was, God, that's from a Dennis Chambers video from like six years or 16 years ago. I just morphed it into my own thing. So we are going to talk about our current influences that are happening right now, the most current influences you have. So do you think you and I can combine influences and inspiration into the same thing? I think we have to, because I think just like you were talking, influences is more of a, you're grabbing specific ideas and it's influencing what you do, what you become. Whereas inspiration for me, a lot of times it's just a vibe or a sound or an aesthetic or just something that makes me want to go play the drums the way that I play the drums. You and I play the drums all day long, but we don't practice the drums all day long. And we don't invent on the drums all day long. We're, we're, the drums are our job. And so to get me to walk over to that kit without having to turn on a camera, without having to do anything for the business and just play, mm-hmm. it actually does. I, I hate to say it, but it does take a nudge. Yep. I'm not going to do it on my own. And, and there are a few people in the world that when I see them play or hear them play, I actually want to go sit down on the drum set without turning on a camera or without telling anybody about it. Well, start with one. Give us one. Who you got? Oh, God. Uh, New Jersey-based Michael Doss. <laughs> Dassin? Oh, Michael Dassin. That's He's a dead-end so- dead route right there. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I Okay. Uh, you're not on the list because I do a podcast with you and we're bros. <laughs> but I will say, man... There are definitely times where your Instagram videos, just the like you said, the vibe, because we're such good friends, I try to never pick apart your drumming, but the vibe is like, it's like, dude, I'm going to go do that. I, I have apps that like are like Bob's loops. I'm going <laughs> right. to press go <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to go jam. So I, I just want to say thank you. We'll move on because I know you get weird about this stuff. So thanks. <laughs> okay. First up, the first person that if I see a video or hear any audio from this person that makes me run to my kit. The great Nate Smith. And that's right now. Yeah. So Nate Smith, there's something that I think 
I had this same vibe with many drummers in the past for sure, but there's something tangible about Nate and just out of reach enough about Nate. Mm-hmm. So if it's so tangible that I can do everything you're doing, it's not very inspirational. I'm like, cool, man. If it's so complex that I can't understand what you're doing, it's not very inspirational because I don't connect to it. Mm-hmm. Nate Smith is is doing things with the same vocabulary that I currently have access to that's just four or five decades out of reach for me. <laughs> that's all right. What is the intangibles or, with him? I'm, I've been trying to figure it out. I think there's a, <sighs> there's a confidence in a, in a relaxed it's, vibe to him that's... It's also the storytelling. There's... I feel like, okay, let's say that I went up on stage and told a story about World War II. Mm. I would be regurgitating something I read or something someone else gave to me. Now, if somebody else got up right after me and told a story from World War II and they were in World War II, but told the same story, the depth would be so much deeper. And I think there's a, a, a deeper level underneath Nate's storytelling that we don't know what's causing this to happen but it happened a long time ago in his past. And there's this depth that he knows where he's going. And all I can do is recreate it by stealing it from him. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have told the story in the first place because I didn't live what he lived. And so I know that was really abstract. <laughs> but, I mean, so he's essentially like the Navy SEAL of drumming. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. He's the Navy SEAL of drumming for sure. <laughs> and I am the Coast Guard. <laughs> I get a uniform. You're the... You're the- I, <laughs> no, I don't. I, well, I don't I'm volunteer. Who's I'm, in the yeah, no, no, I'm volunteer Coast Guard. You're Coast the, Guard, we need you right now. I'm the guy with Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so Nate Smith is is somebody, and uh, Mike and I were very specific about this. Like, this isn't our longtime influence, and who's your favorite drummer? But right now, on this exact date, who's causing you to get on the drum set? And I will say that if I scroll through Nate Smith, or if on my playlist something from Kinfolk comes up then it makes me want to get on the drum set. All right. So I'll tell you my first one after I kind of give you the story of how I got to this one. So Matt Chamberlain just put out a new record, a new duo record with Sean Watkins, I believe. It's a duo where they just improvised and then chopped it up and then brought in guests to do extra overdubs and stuff. That that inspired me to start listening to his stuff again, which then in turn inspired me to listen to his biggest influence. I always forget that Matt Chamberlain has a direct connection to Jim Keltner. Like a lot of Matt's early session work was a result of Jim saying, I don't want to do that session or I can't do that session, call Matt. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So I was like reinvestigating because Keltner is one of those guys that I love, but at the same time, I don't really have my finger on like what it is I love about it. But if you listen to the Bill Frizzell record, Gone Like a Train, I think that could have been Matt Chamberlain on it easily. It's just so really? many different layers. He's got multiple snare drums, and he's always he's always improvising, but it never sounds like he's searching. He just he's always improvising and playing the perfect thing, but it's never patterns, and it's so right. unpredictable and so subtle. So that I've just been totally digging that record and a couple other ones that that Keltner's on. But it all comes back to like I love Matt Chamberlain. Why do I love Matt Chamberlain? His grooves are cool, but it's also his kind of unpredictable quality. And that is 100% Jim Keltner. You just never know what the man's going to play. It's always perfect. Oof, man. Uh, He's the man. Doggy dog. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that maybe with Keltner, he's so willing to do the part as a professional that 
we we'd be shocked at how many albums he's on, but they're never drum featured albums because he's doing the job. Yeah. Um and <clears throat> and obviously our vibe on Keltner would be so different if Keltner grew up in the social media area era, excuse yeah. me, because we would get to see it all. We didn't we didn't see it. And he's one of those guys that we didn't know, unless you're a drum nerd like we are, you didn't know he was on the record in the first place because he did his job. But agreed, when someone points out, I think I, I wrote down Bill Frizzell, Gone Like a Train, because that's hearing him in that context mm-hmm. is going to be a, a chance to actually hear Keltner play. It is. It's it's one of those, like, you listen to it every time you're like, I did not realize he was doing that. Or what is he doing? Is he? He's, I don't think he's overdubbing anything, so it's just craziness like how did he get to that (laughs) that's awesome Mm. i'm on it i can't wait till i can't wait till this silly podcast is over so i can listen to it (laughs) right that'll be my that'll be my inspiration yeah if we do this again next week i'll be like well i've been really into keltner lately (laughs) just really digging in because it's all my thought all right second up for me is uh, a beautiful man from i believe he's from israel uh dan mayo right on killer do you know Dan at all? Never met him. We, we okay. crossed paths at Nam, but never actually spoke or anything. Sure. Yeah. Dan is a sweetheart, uh, but as far as a player, once again, we're not calling out the greatest drummers in the world, or we're not doing a, a top-down list like that. These are people that when I come across their drumming, they make me want to get on the drum set, and Dan is absolutely one of those people. There's something – it's funny. If you think about Dan, Nate Smith, Matt Chamberlain, Keltner – they have that thing where it's not a pattern, it's a vibe. Yeah. And they play that vibe in that tempo, but there's so much freedom. And that's a skill all to itself. How do you improvise inside a vibe, but not to the point that the vibe is lost? And mm-hmm. that is so tough. And not you know, crowd all the space, too. That's the other totally. risk. Absolutely. And that's one thing I love about Dan Mayo is you know that he's got the chops to fill in all that space, but sometimes he'll just hit like a weird morph beats cowbell thing and mm-hmm. just let it ring for an entire whole note. And then he comes back in. And I, I just love that he also is pushing the boundaries of of social media with everything he's doing because it seems like, yeah, I'm going to play in my garage. Mm-hmm. But my friend does have a great DSLR and a gimbal, and he's really good at shooting video. So let's have him come over while I play in my garage. He's kind so of, every, for me, the perfect example of someone who's making art via the medium rather than just make your totally. art first, and then we'll ask you, you questions you, later. The dude has a massive following. You know everyone's hitting DMing him like, hey, can you teach me this? Can you teach me this? And he's like, I could, but no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to drum because I love to drum. And – I think maybe that's what gets me on the kit the most is seeing somebody that loves the instrument the way that Dan does. So definitely check out Dan Mayo if you haven't yet. Uh, he also has a few different musical projects. So you can get into his music on Spotify and stuff as well. All right. And who is your second and final? All right. Pick? So this week I'm sticking with kind of revisiting longtime influences um, because there's also a new record out. Um, the classic Joshua Redman Quartet with Brad Meldow, Christian McBride, and Brian Blade. Mm. They just made a record. And Wait, what? Yep. They've only released one song so far, but you can, okay. you can pre... The pre-release is available on Apple Music. It's called Round Again. So there's only one track out. It's called Right Back, Round Again. And it just rekindled my absolute adoration of Brian Blade. 
if there's a drummer that I hear play, like I want to someday be able to speak as openly and honestly and dynamically as that man. And it, the band sounds so good. That was, I think I posted on Facebook when this first came out. They were the Beatles for me. This band was my Beatles. It's wow. it's what made jazz relevant and interesting. And I wanted to play in that type of a ensemble from that point on. Even though it's classic quartet, it's like jazz always felt like old music to me. I heard yeah. this band and I went to see them and the crowds that they were bringing. There was all young people. It was like a it was like a rock show almost. So that it, was it. It's it's funny that band was my only gateway into the jazz world until Mark started playing with Avishai Cohen. Yeah. So right. that was all I had in in sixteenth notes. <laughs> like it was this one band that was I was like, I, I get it. Like and now obviously I didn't know how deep it was and how much I actually didn't get it, but I, I could relate to it and I enjoyed it. And I also thought that there were songs on there that Joshua Redman, if he wrote them, I don't know, but there were songs on there that were songs. I actually yeah. enjoyed listening to them. It wasn't, hey, let's just get through the head as quick as we can so we can all blow. Yeah, no, like, they were a band. They were the first. They were like, a band. I loved it. I ever saw. Yep. So I'm that, glad to hear and them then, together for sure. That and Up All Night by John Schofield with Adam Deitch. Those were my two. Right, right. I'm, I know this isn't swing. Let's not go back to last week's podcast. <laughs> But I love it, and so uh, so yeah. I was I, I I can't wait to listen to that. Joshua Redman round again. Bill Frizzell gone like a train. Count me in. All right. What did you hear that? Did you leave your phone on? <laughs> did I hear it? I felt it through my damn in ear monitors, bro. <laughs> it, but it didn't come through the speakers. Sorry, my phone <laughs> rang and made Mike and I just go deaf. So that's the end of this segment. <laughs> All right. What's next, buddy? Um, okay, well, we have to thank our sponsor, Dream Symbols. They, um, I just got confirmation, literally as we started recording, um, that they are going to be doing some Instagram Live with some of their artists. And I believe, I will tell you in a second once I open my messages, Dream Symbols has Scott Pilgrim confirmed for this Saturday. That is April, what is the date? April 4th at 7 p.m. I'm going to assume that's Eastern Time. Um, Scott Pellegrino is going to be live on Dreams Instagram page. I guess on a live Q and A. And from what Ed said, Ed is the uh, my contact at Dream. They're going to be doing maybe weekly or a few oh, every week with different artists. So if you're not following their social media pages, do so. Um, get in there on Saturday at 7 p.m. to interact with Scott Pellegrino. Also, um, I was going to talk about the flat ride symbol promo they just put up with uh, Paul Wertico. So if you go to their Facebook page, there's a nice few-minute video of Paul kind of explaining his history with the flat ride and why he uses them and some cool shots of him playing some Dream flat ride. So go check that as well. Yeah, so special thanks to Dream for sponsoring the show. Love it. Uh, all right, you ready to dig into some candy? Which candy? What do you want well, let's with? get in. Let's do the candy candy first. Okay, People cool. need to hear some damn drums uh, <laughs> or a damn drum. Now, this is a unique situation. We had Chris over at Bucks County Percussion or Bucks County Drum Company, excuse me, decide to send us matching snare drums so that we could test them out in our different studios with our different microphones yep. and then talk about them on this podcast. We've never had that happen before where we had 
two matching drums made at the same time specifically for this review. Yeah. Well, it's the same. Everything exactly the same. Same heads, same, same heads, snares, yep. everything exactly the same. Same hoops. And you and I did same tuning as soon as we got the drums. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I – go ahead. I would say the drums in question are Bucks County Prime Series, and it's oak. So it's the Prime Oak Series. These are plywood shells. Everyone always asks, is he making his own shells? Yes, he's making his own shells. He has his own molds. He's putting the veneers of oak into his own molds and making them. Wow. So these are six-ply oak, red oak, I believe, with a yep. six-ply maple reinforcement ring. I've talked to him at length about why you would or wouldn't add reinforcement rings because the six-ply shell doesn't need it. It could be fine without it. But what he has discovered and what I confirmed by testing some earlier versions, without the re-rings, the shell kind of – the tone just kind of goes a little bit too far. Like the, the shell oh, can okay. kind of distort a little bit. So the re-rings just keep the shell from distorting when you really kind of lay into it. So that's the effect that these are doing for this shell. It's awesome. Now, the bearing edges are pretty original because we've got a slightly rounded over bearing edge. but And then he says it's back cut with a 45 degree. Yep. Yeah. So it's not double 45 and it's not full round over. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. It brings the, the apex a little bit further in, but it's still on the oak. Um, what else did we get? We got um, single. We got straight hoops. They're not. They're not the thin so, ones. They're like thick. Yeah, but they are single flange. Single flange, um, but they're the thick steel. Um, and then we have like the the wider claws. So that's something that you and I have talked about at length. Of course, they look gorgeous. But those claws, if you don't know how yeah, to position your snare right, you, you can hit them. <laughs> um, or you can when you go for a cross stick, it lands on one of those. So you have to be careful of that. I do love the fact that this drum came with those hoops because I have double flanged hoops, mm-hmm. I have triple flanged hoops, and I have die cast hoops. So I can put this drum through its paces. So pretty much it's sent to me as wide open as it can be. I can control it as much as I want from there. Mm-hmm. I love that. And it also has two lugs. It's got the trick style uh, multi-position throw off, yep. which is always just a winning throw off. Uh, I and had requested 16 strand wires because I wanted to hear this drum with less less buzz i mean if some of the drums i played over the years that have fewer wires actually sound better kind of ironically so. uh, i'm noticing that too and i'm actually going to be swapping wires on my brooklyn standard to to test it out oh cool um, i i played you know the drum that you had amber get me for my birthday that old slingerland yep. yep it's i think it has three wires yeah <laughs> i don't own a snappier snare drum <laughs> right i'm like how is this possible it's so snappy there's like one little piece of horse hair going across yeah, the bottom yeah. of it, and it sounds like a symphony snare drum. Okay, so the last thing I want to mention before we start to listen to this thing and get our opinions of the sound is the outside is this gorgeous blue that I don't own anything in this blue. I, I've never even seen anything in this blue. It's a, it's not ocean blue. It's not uh, dark navy blue. It's just this original color, but... He didn't lacquer the outside of the shell to fill in the oak. I mean, oak is a very porous wood. Yeah, I love that. From afar, this looks like the smoothest, cleanest blue snare drum ever. You get up close to it, and it's actually quite rustic. Mm-hmm. But not so much that you think you're going to get splinters. Yeah, It's just it's a cool thing, man. I mean, I told you as soon as it got here, I told you we, we, got, it, we got on the phone, and I was like, this is my second favorite wood snare drum I own. <laughs> right. I, am, I, I was in. Totally in. Now he might he might know how much I love blue, so maybe he's messing with me a little bit, Chris. If he would have sent it in lemon yellow, I don't know that I would have been as in. But I love the looks, I love the sound. So, what was your experience with the sound? 
Do you own any oak drums? Uh, I don't own any. I played. Oh, I do own. I do own one. It's a deeper, a totally different drum, different type okay. of drum. This, this, um, I expected it to kind of be more of an all-purpose sound, and it proved mm-hmm. to be that. Except for interesting tone for me that it's very open, but also very punchy. So I didn't at any point want to muffle it even though it was ringing and it was all this this tones like it was kind of exactly what i wanted a drum to do Um, man it's so it's such a weird overtone because it's so pure there's so much of it but usually that overtone that amount of overtone goes with that amount talk to me now that's is that remy or is that the other one oh now it's both of them yeah (laughs) so sorry about that weird jump cut my dogs went crazy because the mailman arrived but <laughs> <laughs> okay so what i was going to say is that a lot of times when you have this amount of overtone one it's not pleasant overtone mm-hmm. it's just overtone and two it also comes with snare buzz and the drum making its actual natural sound this like you said has this amazing snare punch then it's done and then there's this almost tom tone yes. left over I, yeah i have a couple i mean i think the oak has a lot to do with it. Chris kind of warned me. He says, you, you probably think you know what oak does, and I, I think you're going to be surprised what it actually does. Because most of the oak drums I've played have been like thick. They've been designed to be like for a plant live and have a lot of aggressive bite and stuff. Okay. The, he kind of worked it to be more warmer and richer sounding. Ah. Um, and I think the combination of the 16-strand wires helps that. And I think, um, what was I going to say before the dog started barking? <laughs> I don't remember, but it had, okay, my, my summary on the drum, the sound for me, it has everything that I love about a superphonic, that kind of punchy, real distinct, fast yep. kind of sound with the warmth of a wood drum. Okay, now the, wow, what do they do? Are they tap dancing? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Remy going to let me know the mailman was just here. <laughs> uh, so, uh. The one thing I will say, though, is this drum, it has like a compressor built in. The harder you hit it, the more it smacks. Yeah. The tone. Now, I, I know that that sounds like oh, all drums do that. No, they don't. Like some drums just keep getting crazier and crazier. This drum starts to smack and compress itself when you really hit it. It's great at low dynamics. Uh, what I tried to do with my sound example is I, I played some, hey, this is me demoing a snare drum beats. And I just thought, you know what? You guys know how I play. Why don't I just play this drum how I play? So I just played like a 16-bar drum solo. That sh- I mean, when I play drums, there are tiny little ghost notes followed by massive accents. There are buzz rolls followed by big tom hits. And there- the drum needs to be so dynamic to keep up with the way that I play right now. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you guys to hear the drum in that setting. All right, let's drop it in.
everything sounds great. I definitely heard uh what is that opening chair of rock? As soon as you start chair playing that role, like he's gonna go in the chair of rock. Yeah, uh I think that I literally still start every buzz roll by hitting my bass drum and a splashed hi hat because of Cherub Rock. Really? <laughs> I don't even know if he did it there, but I, it, I, it's funny. Hello. Um, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I, I absolutely was thinking that, right? I went, Bzzz, and I was like, dun, 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 dun. yeah. So you called it, man. You called it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like that drum kind of was begging you to dig in even more on it like it, it's it was it wants you to play which it'll go there it'll absolutely go there and it is the out of all the snares that i own it is the one that is the most different from my snare that i have chosen while being like desirable i have plenty of snares that are very different from mm-hmm. my snare and i don't like them <laughs> this one is like oh wow okay my snare actually can't do this i mean i i we created the standard to be as versatile as possible. It cannot do that. Mm. Whatever that was, it can't do that. And maybe that's the oak. Maybe that's the way that Chris builds the drums. But that drum would come with me to a studio. And if they said, like, hey, did you bring anything other than your snare? I would throw that on and be like, okay, this is the wild card. Mm-hmm. Because you're either, if, if you dig it, you're going to steal it from me or ask where you can buy one. <laughs> right. You're going to dig it that much. <laughs> um, yeah, if I had... My snare, that snare, and a 14 by 6.5 brass snare, I could go to any studio in the world and be totally comfortable and, and not think that they're going to need something else. Yeah, cool. I agree. Um, so, so so what was your experience with the, with the drum? Um, same thing. So I think originally I tuned it up really tight to kind of see what it would do. And I, and I even when I sent you the tuning, it was like, this is a little bit lower probably than what you think. Not much lower. It's maybe like a half step or a whole step lower than where most of us have our, like, typical snare drum tuned but it's like that was a spot where the tone just opened up in the right way it wasn't getting into that mid-range kind of weirdness but it wasn't so tight that the head was kind of choking out the show it was there was it opened up to give a little bit more crack but still kind of stay controlled so everything i've been posting probably for the last two weeks on my social media pages has been this drum Um, and it's rare that i want to just keep a drum up for that long if that means anything it's just yeah. so I'm having I'm exploring the opposite range. You're exploring the dynamics of it. I'm exploring how how hard can I hit this thing? Like where where's it going to go? Like it's wanting me to right. play stronger because it because it does compress. It doesn't it doesn't start to bite yeah. and choke out. It just compresses. Yeah, it's weird when you play it harder. It's not ju- it's not. I have some drums that when you play them harder, yeah. they. They just do exactly what you think they would do. They just get louder. It's the same tone, but louder, louder, louder. Yeah. This one, actually, the tone is being shaped by how hard you hit it. The other thing... <laughs> talk to me, Remy. The other, <laughs> Damn it, son! <laughs> the other thing that I think we talked about maybe during the... When we were reviewing the sugar snares is how enjoyable this snare feels to play. There's a bounciness to this drum, to the head on this drum, right? Yeah, Remy agrees. <laughs> He's like, Bucks County! He's got his Bucks County shirt on. Flying the flag. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute my mic while you wrap up this segment. <laughs> All right, so 
as Michael Dawson takes care of his dog, Remy, I'm just going to let you know that we both loved the drum a ton, and it is a drum that is staying in both of our possessions, and it's something that I can't wait to show the campers. When they get here to camp, we always run them through all the different snares that I have, and I, I already know which ones are going to be the ones that people ask about, like, hey, where can I get that? Where can I get that? This is definitely one of those drums that everyone's going to go yeah, I don't have that in my lineup, but I want that. So hope you guys enjoy that. The other thing I wanted to mention was Chris sent us both a really nice letter explaining how he made the drum, why he made the drum, what's going on. And one thing that I thought was really cool was he mentioned that he purposely didn't lubricate the tension rods because this drum is meant to be hit as hard as you want. And lubricated tension rods, especially on a snare drum, have a tendency to back out. And he said this just ha- helps them grip a little bit better and stay so that the tuning that you get stays there longer. And I thought that was great insight on how Chris sees drums. He knows that you're going to play this. He made this for you to play, not for you to just own. And so the th- the fact that he thinks on that level really kind of impressed me. Did you notice that they squeak? Did you have some squeaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and it's funny. I, I'm glad he sent this letter because when that happened, I didn't see it as a negative sign at all. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, he wants these things to grip. This is cool. Yeah. The only downside is it, it'll make your dogs bark. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So check out, uh, just go to Bucks County. Do you know what their website is? Bucks County Drum Co. All, you know, buckscountydrumco.com. Go check out all their stuff. And then you have the matching kit to that, right? I do. Yeah, we'll be featuring that as well. So he built the whole kit out for me to demo as well. That's the same kit I've been using for the past couple of weeks on all my pages. So if you want to hear it and through my weird, affected, over overly processed filter, that that's where that kit is now. We'll do a real <laughs> boring, quote unquote, demo. Soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some tech. So Roland sent you some of their new devices because obviously everyone is in this crazy rush to start streaming live and to do camera switching and all this kind of stuff. And everyone wants to know. It, at first, we were trying to do our jobs through Skype or Zoom, or a mm-hmm. lot of people were. And now that they're doing it, they want – I mean, it's it's the tinkerer. You want it to be better quality. And so Roland sent you some stuff. I actually use a Roland unit for all of our live streaming, and I have for quite a long time. I was a Blackmagic guy for quite a while, did all my camera switching and live streaming through Blackmagic's ATEM series, and then eventually about two years ago moved over to the Roland um, HD video switcher, the V1 HD, and you now have the updated version of it. So let's talk about what a video switcher is. When you guys use Zoom or Skype or anything or any kind of live streaming, you're usually using a webcam or your device. Let's assume you're on a computer. So that computer needs a webcam to stream the video. Now, what happens is you might have an awesome DSLR and you notice that it has an HDMI out on it. And you think, I could stream with this and I'd have depth of field. But I actually have two of these cameras Now you're in trouble because there's nowhere to do two ins on your computer. Zoom or Skype or whatever your service is won't read multiple cameras. It's only looking for one USB device. So what a video switcher allows you to do is to plug in multiple HDMI or SDI ins from your cameras. And then it sends a USB out to your computer. So you have this physical piece of hardware with buttons on it. It looks like you have a mini television studio. And you're able to click on the buttons and your computer. Your computer just reads it as a single webcam. So for Mike's Lessons.com, we have four 
uh, Canon C200 and C100 cinema level cameras that are all plugged into this Roland device. And then out of that Roland device, it goes into my computer via one USB. When I open up my streaming service, it just reads it as like, oh, would you like us to use that as your webcam? And then that way I can send out all those signals. And then usually I have someone here switching cameras for me. But I know Jason McGurr is using the same type of setup, and he just put the switcher right next to where his side snare would be. And he's switching cameras himself while he's playing for his lessons. So it works great for lessons. Um, And now, even though I use the Roland V1 HD, that's like I said, it's an older unit. It allows four HDMIs in, but you cannot go USB out of it into your computer. Mm, You go HDMI out into a converter, which is made by a company called Magewell. And so the Magewell USB capture HDMI Gen 2 is $300. And that's what I use. So out of that, that goes into my computer. The reason I'm mentioning this is because the one that Mike has to review, the VR1 HD, it's three HDMI ins, so three cameras, but it has that built in. And it's actually less expensive. So that's a really cool thing. So they sent you, we'll talk about the Go Live cast as well, but they sent you the VR1 HD. Yes. This it, is around 1100 bucks. Street is around, it's under 1000 Street price, under 1000 Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And so I have it right here. I, I literally just took it out of the box yesterday. I don't know if the one you have has these features, but it has five scene presets where you can have picture in picture or split screen vertical split screen yep. horizontal so yep. just with a, a touch of a button you can change the different picture in picture options it has faders for it has two microphone inputs if you want to just go directly into it um, and there's there's actually analog faders for those plus uh, for the line input so if you want to run some external audio in um what else has it got? It's got an auto switch feature, so you can just have it kind of timed to do random camera switches. You don't need a producer, which I think is kind of neat. It's got some effects, um, which reverb things. You know, it might be fun for certain stuff. Um, background music, you can have it play automatic background music that you import into it. So it seems to be a pretty awesome all-in-one production station if you want to stream beyond just one iPhone stream like it gives you i agree you know it's funny for a long time as somebody that's been doing this for a very long time if you wanted to stream one camera we've had skype forever right that's no problem if you wanted to and you could actually as long as you knew what you were doing you can go into skype and and tell it use my webcam for video but use my interface for audio Mm -hmm. so you could actually do a vocal mic and talk back mic and all that stuff and and no problem as soon as you get to two cameras, the world falls apart, and no one's ever made anything except for Channel 3 News. And you have to go there and buy their board for $2,600,000 billion. Uh, and so that's why this is – and because very few people ever needed to do more than one camera, you actually had to look at different industries. The mm. industries that brought this about were churches. Churches had to stream what they were doing because they had so much of their congregation that couldn't, they were old and they couldn't actually make it to the service, but the churches still wanted those people to see the service. So that's where I took the lead of churches and sports when it came to live streaming 12, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. As soon as somebody said, yeah, I watched my church service from my computer today. I was like, what? I'm doing that for drum lessons. (laughs) Right, right. I watched a baseball game from my computer. Okay, I'm doing that for drum lessons. So 
there wasn't a lot of hardware for this, and the hardware was insanely expensive. The first camera switcher I ever bought was from Blackmagic, and I think I paid about $7,000 for it. Yeah, that's And insane. that was 10 years ago. Yeah. So adjust for inflation, it's about ten grand. Yeah. And, and that was 10 years ago when there was no business doing well. So that was me and the wife going, okay, do we retire someday or do we buy this? <laughs> and it was like, but it is uh, that yeah, next we'll buy level. This. I mean, if you have nice cameras and you want to use them, you need this and this option. Yes. I mean, it's pricey, but at the same time, if you're if you're potentially going to be making your living doing like streaming live lessons with one on one students or making your own original content that you're going to be making money from, I think it's worth it. Um, now for the agree. other, we should probably go to the much more consumer hobbyist level. They also just put out this is Roland's Go Livecast, which is essentially the same type of thing for iPhones. Or smartphones, just smartphones in general. So I've got that here. I'll show Mike what it looks like. It's about wow. a quarter of the size of the VR1 HD, but it has similar features. It has preset buttons for you can drop in text. You can go live straight to YouTube or Facebook. Um, you can mute your mic. You can add photos. Um, the coolest part is that if you have two iPhones or two um, smartphones. smartphones, you can use your second one as a secondary camera. So you can have two camera uh, angles with just smartphones. And again, it has the same kind of presets where it can go split screen or, or left and right or top and bottom. So I think if you're doing simpler type of things where you want to talk to the camera, but then you also want to show maybe overhead or show what your hands totally. are doing, you can have this option. And you, and you didn't trade in that old phone when you got your new one. I literally just got a new phone and I just got the box to turn in my old one. And I'm going to keep it now. Because I feel yeah, like this I, is this is and it's Wi-Fi, so you don't need to have cables all over the place. The secondary I phone is awesome. Wi-Fi. the the main The main phone has to be hardwired. Man, you do that, and you get uh, maybe the uh, what is it? The uh, Audio Technica AT twenty twenty USBI that goes straight into your phone. Mm. Then you've got a good mic. You've got two awesome. I mean, most people don't realize unless you've bought a camera recently. If you have a new phone, that's the best camera you own. Yeah, for real. Yep. You know, I mean, you have a great camera that can deal good with low light. So I think that's an awesome option. And that one's super affordable, right? 250 street price. It also has yeah. one microphone input that does have phantom power options. So you could plug in a, a nice condenser into this and use it. Or you can also run a mix out of, if you have a, a mixer with drum mics plugged into it, you can run that into here. So you can feed this with your full mic setup as well. Now I'm assuming you haven't actually used this yet, right? You just got these. I tested just, just to see how the streaming worked yesterday, just to see if it did anything. Um, cause it also has a built in mic. So you don't, you could just plug it in and use it. That's not the best option. Cause it's, it's a tiny little mic. I wouldn't drum into that, but if you're just going to talk, Talk back. Yeah. So my question to you, though, is how do I see what's actually happening? Is there an app? Yeah, there's an app. Uh, I okay. believe it's the Go Live Cast app that, that has everything. That gives you all the options for adding your custom text that you want to drop in, changing the sound effects. You can import your own sound effects. Uh, it's. I mean, if you think about the amount of companies out there that were that had this technology ready but just knew, like... There's just not enough. There's just no market for it. There's mm. just no. Oh my gosh! There's a huge market. <laughs> produce, produce, produce. Make it now. Yeah, I think once our internet speeds got like space age for everybody, yeah. now it makes sense. I mean, 
And the other option is the one I've been using for a couple of years is the Go Mixer. They just mm-hmm. updated the Go Mixer to have a XLR input as well. So that's an even smaller version, but I'm literally running a stereo out of my mixing board that has the audio from my mics and my electronics and my looper straight into the Go Mixer, straight into my iPhone, and that's all of my day-to-day social media posts is just that. And that thing is go. like 200 bucks. I think the original one is like 100 bucks, maybe. So many options now. Um, so if you're teaching from home, first of all, Zoom is more than enough. Zoom will um, – you could actually just go HDMI out of your camera and then use that Magewell thing that I was telling you about. It's called the Magewell USB Capture HDMI. And you HDMI into that and then USB out of that, then Zoom or Skype will read that as your webcam. So you can have an amazing look if if you just want to do one camera. That is totally cool. And I think it's fine to even play with your students as long as you tell them that they have to mute their sound. Mm. So they can still hear you, but you can't hear them. That, that'll be fine. You don't have to worry about latency or anything like that. If you want to get into doing bigger productions where you're doing multiple cameras, then these are amazing options. I've been doing this for a very long time and and I'm really happy that some companies like Roland are making this a little bit easier. Um, So definitely check out both of these. Uh, The Roland VR one HD, once again, will allow three HDMIs in and has a tons of features. Even that like background music that Mike was talking about. You don't realize it until you start doing this professionally, but at some point you're going to hit stream but you're not ready to stream because you're not behind the kit. <laughs> right. It's pretty nice to have some background music playing uh, yeah. and maybe a side angle. You don't want like, can you guys hear me? <laughs> can you, if you could just in the chat, just say that you can hear me. You don't want to do that. Oh, Trust I me. tuned into a, a live Instagram stream of one of my favorite singers. <laughs> and the first 10 minutes was her just like looking at the camera. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I'm like, I'm oh, out. God. I didn't even get to hear a song. I, like, yeah, I can't no, even I'm out. deal with it. <laughs> Even when I do live Instagram stuff, I'll set my phone somewhere that I know that that's where I'm going to be. And then I'll open my computer. I put music on. So there's music in the room. Mm -hmm. I press record and I run out of the way. So I let about 10 seconds go by and then I walk into frame like, hey, guys, how you doing? Like, there's nothing awkward about seeing me live on Instagram. (laughs) It's planned out. Because I've done the same thing as you. Like, oh, man, this is so cool. My favorite whatever is streaming live. And then I'm like, Dan, that's his nostrils. Rad. (laughs) Clearly has no idea how to do this. All right, everybody. Well, we will keep you updated on more and more stuff about this as far as live streaming and how to connect with your students at home. I think when the world goes back to normal, I think a lot of people will have a new set of skills that will help them communicate with the world in a much better way. So I I don't see that as being anything other than great. Now it is time to get to some of your questions. And we have a question from overseas, correct? We do. So this one is coming from – so first we've got um, Katerina. So she first just wanted to thank us for the show. We're going to drop that in and then we'll follow up with her question. So this is Katerina. Hi, Mike and Mike. Uh, this is Katerina. I'm 22. I'm from Ukraine. And I'm a newborn baby drummer, which means uh, half a year or so. But I'm already taking it super deadly seriously. And I'm sure that it's mine forever. And now that I've convinced you of how serious my intentions are, I need to thank you for what you are doing. Because um, especially in times like this, and ever since quarantined and I don't get to practice behind the kit 
or with a teacher and I haven't uh, really had any sort of music education background before that as well. I rely hugely on what you do to immerse myself in the community, to feel like I belong and like to hear what people like you joke about, what they talk on daily basis about. And I feel like I'm a, like a younger sister hanging out with their cool older brothers, whether they want it or not. And in, in the long run, I'm pretty sure it's super influential to like hear and I may not understand everything from a technical point, but this has been hugely helpful. And now you know that you have fans in Ukraine and all that. Lots of love. Take care. Thanks. Dude. Yeah. I w it's so funny. Before this episode, I was going to talk to you later today about uh, I wanted to stop doing the podcast, but now I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally in. <laughs> Katarina just saved the whole show. Uh, uh, I, I literally, awesome. I mean, not not joking. I had that conversation with Ed at Dream today about this this listener question. I was like, we I just got this question from Katarina in the Ukraine, and it just reminds me and Mike that we can't stop this freaking podcast. No matter I totally what agree, man. happens, we have to keep doing it. Yeah, this is it's, it's funny. She mentioned so many things um, that remind me of being a kid reading Modern Drummer. And uh, yeah, I didn't understand everything. I didn't know who these people were, but I just felt like it was seeping in and I was becoming part of this family. And uh, we are more than happy to be your big brothers. Now, she has a question, correct? Yeah, let's drop in the question now. Hi, Mike and Mike. My question would be about the resetting or grounding techniques you might apply to drumming. I come from a physical theater background, which I've been doing for many years. But uh, there are often situations, or sometimes I seek those out on purpose, where despite all my skills, I would still feel like I'm in a complete pre-beginner phase. And it does uh, lots of good in terms of creativity and ego and just taking your time in some perspective. So despite all the irritation that comes with it, would you say you practice something of the sort? Thank you. Katarina, great question, and I think that it's awesome. Most beginners wouldn't even be thinking about anything like that because you're just trying to gain your skills, but luckily it sounds like you're fairly advanced at the physical theater thing, so you know about this, this resetting, this grounding of, okay, how do I kind of jumpstart my creativity today? And I would say that restrictions tend to be one of the best things that you can do for that. And an example of that would be, okay, I'm going to practice for 40 minutes, but only on the snare drum. Or I'm going to practice for 40 minutes and only use kick, hi-hat, and snare. So, or I'm going to practice for an hour or 10 minutes, whatever it is, and only in eighth notes. So the restriction becomes a subdivisional one. That's definitely one that my students always are like, uh, I can't do anything in eighth notes. I'm like, sure you can. You mm. do lots in eighth notes. It's like, no, 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 but all my cool stuff. And I'm like, well, then you got all the wrong cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you need some cool eighth note sauce. <laughs> So I think that by creating a restriction in the beginning of your practice, that can really help a lot. Yeah, I mean that's it's it would I could spend hours talking about this topic because it's been the focus of my personal development and all of my teaching for the past couple of years is how to how to not how to give yourself permission to be creative on the drums at all times yeah. at any level and the, the only way I can liken it is if you're learning a new language. You learn a word, 
You learn how to use that word. You learn how to, you learn how to spell it. You learn how to say it. And then you, you memorize some sentences that it works in. And then you find someone who speaks that language and you just apply it and see what happens. I think in, in drumming education, we try to learn too many words before we then try to speak with them. So you don't need to be an advanced player to be creative with quarter notes. You don't need to be an advanced player to be creative with whatever limited vocabulary you may have. So I always start similar. I will say literally quarter notes, something I got from Peter Erskine years ago. Sit down at the drum set and just play constant quarter notes, but make it melodic, make it a story, make it interesting. Explore your instrument because once you play each voice independently, depending on how big your kid is, you're out of ideas. Now you've got combinations of sounds. You've got uh, alternate sounds. What is hitting the shell or the rim sound like or hitting rim shots or combinations of two limbs, three limbs. It becomes this like never-ending world, but you're just playing quarter notes. Yeah, the first time that you give yourself permission to hit your gorgeous drum set's shell on the side, on the <laughs> right. side of that floor, Tom, you know, your world will never be the same. Yeah, maybe you start and with so, mallets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got to say, moving over to wrapped shells was awesome. When I was a DW artist and they were always sending me these works of art, I'm like, I, I, I want to play the shell, but I can't. It's like disrespectful. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I totally agree with Mike. I think that that's key to all of this. And, and for all of us, we just need to spend time. That's why... The four-stage practice method has stage two. We need to spend time every day being creative. But sitting down and just jamming is not always going to work for you. Sometimes you need a restriction to be creative inside. And when you have that restriction, everything works out a little bit better. So hopefully that helps, Katarina. And thank you so much for the comment as well as the question. All right, next up. All right, we got one more. This is from Nathan. Um, and Remy. deal with Remy barking in the background. Because now the town is outside of my house. Couldn't be a worse time to record a podcast from your dining room. Anyway, um, this is Nate. I hate to even bring this up for the fear of spreading this like a virus to other hapless drummers, but here I go. I've been a gigging drummer for almost 30 years, though I've only recently been going deep into drum nerd land. Uh, most thanks to you guys. That's our pleasure, of course. Anyway, over the past year, I've been grooving along fine on stage, and then I start to be bothered by the way my right thigh is contacting my throne. Then I get the irresistible urge to scoot forward. This tends to be disruptive. My bandmates say they haven't noticed any extra wonkiness, but it definitely disrupts what I'm trying to do, at least enough to get in my head. Do you guys have any advice about dealing with discomfort, not pain, on the throne? I've had the same rock and sock throne for at least 10 years without any issues. Um, should I get a new throne? Maybe something that's non hydraulic. Uh, yeah, that's the question. He says he'd rather buy a snare drum. <laughs> but I think the I, most yeah. important piece of gear on your kit is your throne. Man, I totally, totally agree. I think that I've had very few clinics and uh, drum festivals thrown off buy a bad sounding drum set it doesn't even mess with me at all i couldn't care less mm. if the throne isn't right and the <laughs> height isn't right and it's hard to adjust you know like one thing i do love about a hydraulic throne is let's say i sit down and i start playing and i'm about an inch off no big deal i reach down adjust it yeah if i'm in the middle of playing a show 
or a clinic, I can't be like, hang on, guys. Uh, oh, cool. Or even worse, the non-spindle with the, the oh, locking yeah, mech. I'm like, let me just undo those locks real quick. Yeah. Slice so, your hand open on some jagged <laughs> steel. That's gracious. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I think the throne is extremely important. I agree with Mike. And I actually think that, one, a lot of times when I'm dealing with gigging drummers, uh, as far as like guys that have been just like you've been playing 20 or 30 years and doing gigs – they actually sit pretty deep into the throne because they're used to playing for three hours and they treat the throne like a chair for your best playing ability. You need to sit closer to the edge of the throne and get a little bit more of your thigh off of the kit, especially if you're a heel up player. If you're a heel down player, it's not as big of a deal. The problem is when you have a something soft like a rock and sock or a very fluffy throne, maybe those old school pork pie ones. Mm-hmm. As years go on, they lean forward because it's so much foam that you're squishing down that they don't really hold their shape completely. Yeah. So I, I'm it definitely nothing against. I mean, the Rock and Sock changed the game when they came out, so I still love their Thrones. But it wouldn't be a bad idea to at least try a couple if you have some drummer buddies. Maybe you could just borrow their Throne for the day, and then also try some different shapes. See if the bicycle seat one fits better. I mean, I, I still use just a traditional round Throne. Um, yeah, and I st- and when people say what kind of throne would you like for the clinic, I would say just round top, um, not too fluffy. Yeah, I don't want to say anything bad about rock and sock because their stuff is great, but there is one rock and sock that I have to play often, and it is actually distracting to me. There's something about the way yeah. the seat is kind of cupped that yeah, I feel like I'm sitting in the throne, and that's not what I'm used to. Because I, given my choice, I will use one of the motorcycle style seats. With, okay. So my legs kind of hang so that's, independent of the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what I mean by getting towards the edge on a round throne. That's what I'm doing is what those thrones do for you mm-hmm. naturally. I also want to say that not all hydraulics are made the same. Uh, Chris Hancock at Rooster Thrones made my throne, and I don't know where he gets his hydraulic part from, but it's not a bouncy throne. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I had a hydraulic throne, every time I hit the drum, I went up and down. Yeah, it's like spring. And yeah. I was like... Yeah, this sucks. Like this is way too bouncy. I want it to be hydraulically adjusted, but once I'm there, it stays pretty much there. Yeah. So um, they're not all created equal. I love the hydraulic um, lift just because, like I said, I can make micro adjustments really quick, and I have students playing my kit all the time. Yeah. I don't want them to spin it down, spin it up. So, um, all right. Hope that helps. We're going long on this episode. We should probably get either to our pick of the week or straight to our outro groove. What do you want to do? I would say that my pick of the week is actually that Roland thing. That's going to help so many people. Those two new products are awesome. Kudos to Roland for doing that. Just like I said that everyone has been able to teach online drum lessons for the last 10 years and they chose not to. Everyone has been able to make these switchers for the last 10 years and they chose not to. Kudos to Roland. I'm not a Roland artist. I'm sure my Yamaha rep is freaking the hell out right now, but I just have to give credit where credit is due. Those things are badass and they did a great job and they work seamlessly. All right. My pick of the week is some accessory items by Revolution Drum. They just released, they have some brass cymbal fasteners, which are, I believe they have chrome versions or raw brass. They're, they're round cymbal toppers, a little bit Mm. more, um, you know, a little bit more classy and more stable, and they're not going to fly off in the middle of a gig. So check those out, brass cymbal fasteners. And the one that I'm super stoked about is their new T-Locks, which is a tuning lock that fits under the hoop rather than on top of it. Same thing, it's it's brass, it's high quality, and it just locks in the place. I put these on one of my really temper- temperamental acrylites. Funny, when I put one, when I put three locks where the rim shot area is, 
the okay. the pegs across the drum started detuning. Like the ones really? that were locked, no, they didn't budge, but it was the other ones that I wasn't even hitting near. So you kind of have to put them on all the, the threads, but they come in packs of eight and ten. So check them out. Revolution Drum, he's always coming up with some cool little accessories, the new brass cymbal fasteners, and especially the T-locks if you have problems with your drums detuning when you play like an awesome. animal like me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so who is our outro groove today? We've got a second, a second beat by uh, Ian Hitch Drums. This one is the song called Are You There? These are, I believe, works in progress with a buddy of his. Uh, we, we featured him last week, but this is the second second tune again Ian hits drums thank you so much for sending it in he is he should should have been my number two influence for that section (laughs) wow high praise Ian's the man for sure yep thank you everyone hopefully we'll be back again next week what was that (laughs) hopefully we'll be back again my god I'm still trying to quit (laughs) here just stop I got this all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We will see you next week. Done. Jesus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Hopefully we'll be back next time.